Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success, hosted by John Biggs. Every week, we talk to an amazing person about a time they failed and what they learned. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. Welcome back to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have John Sunman, uh, a man who I uh, call a national treasure. He's a uh, novelist, a writer, journalist, uh, and technologist and futurist, I guess you could say. Welcome, John. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So you're, uh, you have a full, you had a full, uh, whatchamacallit, full resume of uh, exciting things that you did. Uh, but in, in this particular podcast, we're going to talk about all your uh, terrible failures. If you have any, <laughs> yeah, I'm very familiar with this topic, as you know. Okay, so yeah, tell tell us a little bit about what you what you've been doing, uh, and let's see if we can find some stories that we can share. Okay, well, right now I'm in the middle of a big uh, project to republish my four existing self-published books and finish writing and producing uh, a new book that I've been working on since the dawn of time. And this, um, so th- those are, that's five books plus four Spanish language translations that are due out for October. Um, but in this context, it makes me think about uh, failures in my, in my novelistic career, which began, you know, gosh, nearly 25 years ago when I mm-hmm. set out to write my first book. Um, which saw the light of day when I self-published it as uh, Acts of the Apostles in late 1999. But the way that came about was I, I got this this notion that I was going to sit down and write a murder mystery novel uh, based on a chip designer who gets shot. And uh, I figured it would take me you know, a few months to write this book. I'd find an agent, I'd get it published, and everything would be groovy. And so... Um, at this time was after I had been laid off from my high tech career in Silicon Valley and we had moved to Martha's Vineyard and uh, due to a variety of circumstances, we didn't have a lot of dough. So we, we rented uh, a place, it didn't have enough money to become homeowners again. And so um, just living on our savings, I set out to write this book. I figured, well, I'll just write a multi-million best-selling novel. Um, so I wrote a draft uh, basically over a summer when we were vagabonds and and, uh, and homeless moving from relative to relative off Martha's Vineyard. So that was pretty much a big come down from my career as a high tech Silicon Valley executive. And I wrote a draft and I, I sent it to a buddy of mine who is a working Hollywood actor. Um, and, and he sent it to a friend of his who bought rights to movies for MGM mm-hmm. and 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 she really liked the book so she called me up and said uh, I'm not going to buy the, the rights to this movie but I think it's got potential who's your agent and I said I don't have an agent and she said oh my god you're going to get eaten alive all your your books are going to be stolen you need to get an agent uh, call this number and ask for Joe and tell them I sent you so anyway long story short I, I got an agent named Joe Regal and he worked with me for four years on that book Mm-hmm. And and we submitted it, I forget, like six times to various New York publishers. And they 
uh, invited me down to New York to go to lunch and a bunch of Hollywood producers flew out from California to meet me and I had visions of sugar plums dancing in my head. I thought we were going to make millions of dollars and Joe did too. Uh, and at the end, nobody made an offer. And by that time, I was working construction. I was driving a truck. We were still didn't own a house. We were moving from rental place to rental place. My wife was getting really fed up with me. I was drinking too much. It was uh, it was not a good thing. And so eventually, um, I, I published it myself. Mm-hmm. And, and, event, and it got some traction. And you read it, and you liked it years later. So anyway, that was, that was my... Uh, that was a pretty much, it did turn out to be somewhat of a success, that book in terms of its reception among some people. It hasn't made me a lot of money, but got me started on the path of being a novelist. But man, that was that was not like, uh, uh, it's still painful to remember. It was not like, oh, there was a period of adversity and uh, he sailed through and came through on the other side. It was, it was just really hellish and it was really... Uh, it was hard on me, but it was harder on my wife and my children. So anyway, there you go. There's a story of failure for you that does mm-hmm. have a little bit of a happy ending, but uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty brutal. And since then, so that book came out in 1999, and since then I've written uh, three others, uh, and they've all done well among people who like my books. But you know, like uh, Abraham Lincoln said, if you like this kind of book, you'll find this is the kind of book you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but but growing an audience, finding new readers is always a challenge. So still, what do you think was happening? What do you think was happening when you were trying to find your, when you're trying to sell those books in the beginning, when you tried to sell Acts of the Apostles, for example? Uh, when I was trying to sell it to publishers, you mean, or yeah, after I, I think published so. Yeah, it? I think the, I think the publishers. Um, well, you know, I, I I learned an awful lot from Joe. Uh, uh, he was a you know he he had some success he was a you know a guy my age or younger than me um and so i was 40 at the time when i started this whole process and and he said you're writing a thriller and thrillers uh publishers they don't make small offers for them they make thrillers and the expectation that a movie will come out of it so they'll either offer you nothing or they'll offer you north of a million dollars Mm-hmm. And then he said, but it's got to be really good. It's got to grab people by the lapels and make them read. He said, so th- I want you to do this. We went through a couple of revisions. He said, fix this, fix that. This this part of the story is uh, needless. Cut it out. And he was pretty brutal, but he but he put a lot of time in with a red pen to mark up, uh, you know, various iterations of the book. And he said, now, I want you to do this. I want you to get a dollar number in your head that you think you can get. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to subtract $25,000 from that figure for every chapter that doesn't end with a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, he said, you, you've got to end every chapter where the reader has to go on to the next chapter. So I, I did that. And, and then he said, I, and, and this, your villain isn't villainy enough. He's got to be larger than life. And he, and he gave me a couple examples of larger in life things that happen to real people in real life. And he said, this, this villain just reads too much like a bad boss that you once had. And I said, well, yeah, that's who the villain was modeled on. He said, well, nobody cares about a guy who had a bad boss in Silicon Valley. They want to, you know, they want to be the antichrist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked on that. Anyway, the whole point of that is I learned a lot about the craft of writing from the process of it. And, but why did the New York people, uh, not bite on it. I don't know. I, I, I got, 
there's a guy named John Carp who's like one of the big, big guys in New York publishing now. And, and he was a friend of Joe's and he read it and he said, I like it, but it's not good enough. But I'll, I'll, if you rewrite it, I'll read it again. So, you know, Joe said, if you get John Carp to buy this, you'll be on the cover of you know Time magazine. So <clears throat> Carp read a second version. He said, nah, not, not, not quite almost. And then a few years later, so then after I published it myself, a few years later, I got a note from Carp, who still remembered my self-published book. And he said, I want you to send this to a guy at Del Rey. And by this time, Carp was head of Random House. And, and he said, I want you to send this to the guy who runs this Del Rey imprint. And then the Del Rey guy said, I like it, but I need a new book. This book is like five years old. It's been out there. Give me something new. And, and they took me, you know, that I was back down going to New York and being wined and dined. And it was always fix this and fix that and we'll give you a contract. And they never did. So mm. finally, you know, and my wife wasn't happy about the whole thing. So finally I said, screw it. I'm just going to be a self-publisher from here on. And um, but I don't know why it got to the almost, 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 but never, you know, thing. And I think one thing we found in, in the recent uh, uh trial that was going on, an uh, antitrust trial going on in New York, where Carp was one of the main uh, witnesses. He's the now head of Simon & Schuster, I guess, which is like the second biggest thing in the world. And, you know, their internal documents showed that these, these publishers really are just, they're all taking shots in the dark. They don't know what's going to be ahead. Yeah, of course. Not going to be ahead, you know? So anyway, so they... <laughs> they, for whatever inscrutable reason, they decided that my book wasn't good enough. But how did you uh, how did you route around that damage? Well, I think that having gone through through so much, I said I'm not just going to throw away four years and 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 start out. You know, try to get back into into. Uh, high tech or doing what I did. So I, I said, I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on a book tour. So I bought a jalopy car with, you know, bad motor and bad everything else. And I put a bunch of, you know, thousand copies of my book in the trunk. And I drove out to California. I'd arranged with a bunch of places, including Sun Microsystems, where I used to work to have book signings. And I made it, I sold enough books uh, over the course of like three weeks or three and a half weeks to mostly put gas in the car and once or twice, you know, uh, pay for a hotel room instead of sleeping in the car or sleeping on a friend's couch. And, um, and then when I came back, right before I drove back on the ferry to Martha's Vineyard, I went into one last bookstore in Burlington. And the owner said, well, I'll buy 20 copies from you. And he took out his checkbook and he said, there's a guy I want you to meet. And he called up a friend of his. And this guy introduced me to some people who introduced me to some people and that led to me getting a, a glowing review on Slashdot. Uh, and um, when the Slashdot review came out, my number on Amazon went from like 1 million to number 54, I think was my highest. And so mm -hmm. for a weekend, I was outselling Tom Clancy and Michael Crichton and so forth. And that got a lot of people's notice. And anyway, um, and then I won the National Writers Digest self-published magazine um, book contest. So I went, I have, Acts of the Apostles was called the best self-published book of the year 2000. So that was good. And then I, 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 
I, I decided to go back into high tech and stop being a, uh, you know, a guy making three cents a year. And I, I, I called up a headhunter and she said, I've got just the job for you. And I got a, had a job interview and got offered the job on the spot. This was for a, a startup based in Cam Cambridge, Massachusetts, a spinoff mm -hmm. of an MIT computer science project. So anyway, long story short, after six years wandering the desert and being a construction laborer, truck driver, uh, penniless writer, I was back in high tech making a big salary. So that was how I routed around it. Eventually, I landed on my yeah. feet back in high tech. You know, but it feels like it feels like you almost uh, did. Do you did you miss the uh, the idea of being a, a Michael Crichton? Uh, was that your goal? What did you want to? How did how did you want to well, end up in terms of the writing? Well, I wanted to be, and I still want to be a quality novelist and i would and i really want to and need to make money at it if i'm going to do it um so i said uh i think my my original goal back then was to just make money mm -hmm. i wanted to write a good book that would be a page turn i also wanted to address some issues having to do with technology and society and things that were keeping me up late at night worrying about um you know my second book was about AI and, and chatbots and so forth. And a lot of the stuff that I talked about in, in that book, which is called Chief Complex Devices, a lot of that stuff is very current with all the hand-wringing over AI now and chat GPT and stuff like that. Um, so I had issues about technology and society and the convergence of molecular biology and digital technologies and so forth. But, but um, so I wanted to address those things, but I also wanted to to uh, make money and also to write books that weren't fluff, that had some substance mm -hmm. to them. So I guess a, a couple of combined goals. Was there ever a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to publish a novel about uh, cyberpunk vampires who live in the Empire State Building or something, just like complete, complete, uh, I guess you'd call it fluff, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's, the answer is yes, but but I don't seem to be able to do it. I just can't get out of my own way and crank stuff out. I always end up taking a million times longer than I intend to, mm -hmm. and it always gets deeper. And uh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know. I seem uh, the first three books I wrote are all in completely different literary styles. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you know, and that's of course contrary to all the advice everybody gives you, which is if you're a mystery writer, write 10 mysteries. So people identify you and they know your brand. And when you write mm -hmm. a new book, it markets itself. And if you're a thriller writer, just write thrillers. Um, so that's what you do. I guess if you're smart or if you're, if you're really dedicated to establishing a brand. Um, what do you think that's, that's an interesting point. So you basically said, would you, you're dedicated to establishing a brand. What's yeah. what do you think is stopping you in this specific case from establishing that brand? Was it uh, was it the was it pride? Was it uh, a desire to do something different? I think I think both of those. Um, I you know after I, I self-published Acts of the Apostles, and it was gratifying after a year to, to get you know literary recognition and to get glowing reviews and so on and so forth. Um, and then I said, you know, the, those bastards in Hollywood and New York, those uh, 
publishers, they just yanked me around for like five mm-hmm. years. I just don't. And, and now they're saying, maybe we'll give you a contract if you write a new book like the first one. I said, well, either give me the contract or shut up. It's just, I don't want to hear maybe you'll do it if I put another six months of unpaid work in. And besides, there's this other book I feel like writing. So I'm going to write the one I feel like writing, not the one that you think maybe sort of kind of someday mm-hmm. I'll get a contract from. So I think that was it. It was my frustration at at the idea of ever getting into the uh, corporate publishing world. And, and uh, um, you know, just the desire to say, well, you know, I, I guess I'll just do what I want to do and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I think we could, uh, so we could argue that you've kind of come out the other end of this and you're, and you're dedicated to, to doing these books yourselves, et cetera. So first off, from an artistic point of view, are you happier doing this yourself, DIY, the whole thing? Uh, is it frustrating? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's it, it's not frustrating so much as it is scary. The only thing that's frustrating is my inability to work like in John Biggs mode, where I, you know, just put my head down and crank stuff out. You know, I admire you and, and people like you who can do that. I just, I still am too uh, distractible and and procrastinatory and all that. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, now might be a good time to mention that with, with the reissues of my books coming out in October, Cory Doctorow, who's like a pretty big name, is writing the introduction for the new issue of Acts the Apostles, and you're doing the introduction for BioDigital. And Ken McLeod, who's probably the most famous uh, living British science fiction author, is doing the introduction for The Pains, and David Weinberger is doing the introduction for Cheap Complex Devices. So... That's that's very gratifying to have people who are uh, writers and thinkers uh, and cultural critics, you know, whose work I admire, to have them endorse me and say, "Yeah, I'll write an intro- introduction for your book." That that, that means a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be I'm hoping to with these reissues and the new introductions in my new novel to make a big splash and get, you know, a lot more attention. But but it is gratifying to to know that. You know, if I'd just written books and they'd all flopped and everybody said they suck, you know, that would have been a lot less a lot less fun than having people saying, well, it's it's too bad that you're an unsung genius, but at least you're a genius, you know. Yeah. So, anyway. Ugh. All right. Uh, so what's next? So you're working on the books now. When What's the, uh, what's the timeline and where can people find these things? Well, uh, I, I want to plug my sub stack if I can. Just check, you know. Search for John Sundman on Substack. It's S-U-N-D-M-A-N. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm just working on pulling together the new editions with new covers and new formatting for the four existing books and finish writing the fifth book um, and you know, writing my Substack, trying to grow the audience that way. And so I'm just kind of flat out writing, uh, doing uh, writing a new novel, finishing up a new novel, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, being the publisher of, of all my books, that involves everything from the formatting to the cover design to figuring out the distribution, both in paperback and ebook on Apple and Amazon and Kobo or whatever. Um, so that's that's like a full-time job. Also, I have some some family responsibilities and that are also pretty, pretty uh, time-consuming. Mm-hmm. And... Anyway, that's what I'm doing. I'm a full-time novelist writer right now, and uh, um, 
we'll see how it goes. Because I, you know, I was I was working. I, as you know, I had a job uh, writing about cryptocurrency for a year, and that that paid well. But I really hated it. I didn't like the subject. I felt sleazy. The the work was hard to do. Being you know, it was all virtual, so I didn't know anybody as a as a person, and that, that can be hard when you're trying to gather the information you need. So, I you know. I've been a freelance technical writer off and on for the last 30 years. And I'm just, I really hope I never have to go back to that because the most you can hope for, especially in today's environment is to be able to tread water, you know, and, and I'd like to be able to make it big, or at mm -hmm. least a little bit bigger. So I'm kind of swinging for the fences with this current project. Hmm. If you were, if it doesn't work, John, you can have me back on to talk about <laughs> <laughs> my failure the in second, 2023 the second, uh, yeah the second yeah. the second failure yeah uh, hmm. what's the uh what's what's your advice for young writers right now oh my gosh um you know uh it's it's i would say that that explore all all your your options in terms of of media i think that that people who write for uh, video games and so forth uh, for for streaming media, if, assuming the writer's strike ever ends. I think before you say, okay, I'm going to write a novel, you should look at other ways that you can use to uh, to find your 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 spot. If you're a storyteller, in other words, mm -hmm. you know, find find explore other ways to to tell your story and find the one that's most congenial to you. The one that's most congenial to me is kind of like old-fashioned novels, and, and The Pains is an illustrated book, but but still. Um, so that would be one thing: is to really don't force yourself into, uh, you know, a shoe that doesn't fit, mm -hmm. and and also try to <laughs> they say don't quit your day job, like I did. And I think that's probably good advice, yeah. Depending on your own personal and family situation, mm -hmm. you know. Don't quit your day job. I, All right. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say, John, about, I mean, I would like to encourage writers. I like good storytellers. I like people who have a good, a, a good uh, style and who are innovative and who, you know, I love novelists and, and I would love to tell people do it, but it's, it's, it's hard, you mm -hmm. know, it's hard. All right. John Sunman, author, check out his books. Uh, also check out the Substack. I think that's that's humming along as well, pretty well. So let's uh, let's take a look at that. Uh, but thank you for joining me. This has been uh, this has been enlightening. Okay, thank you so much, John. Right. This has been Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success. I'm John Biggs. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Keep Going. If you are enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going.